1: to The Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with
2: your host, Nick Bat, The Prime Minister of Sweden visited Washington today, and my tiny little nipples went to France. And Bruce Nolan.
0: Yo, brethren, what up with thee?
2: Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of The Nick and Nolan Show a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. And along with me, as always, is Bruce Nolan. You can find him on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. So here we are further into the Nick and Nolan Take Buffalo Food Tour. You guys have already heard the episode where we got Beef on Weck with Tim Graham. And you've already heard the episode where we got Stinger Subs from Jim's Steakout with Del Reed. Both of those were Awesome. In addition, we are going to be dropping this episode today on Thursday morning where we got pizza from Leonardi's Pizzeria with Matt Perino from NewYorkUpstate.com. It's an awesome episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you can bear with us on the audio whenever we were recording on site, It was a first-time experience for us, so we were trying a couple of different things at different places, and we eventually figured some things out. But this is one of the ones where, specifically listening to me, when that isn't that important, is a little bit soft. So if you can bear with us, the audio for hearing Matt and Bruce is really great, and uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode. Here's the show. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us again on The Nick and Nolan Show. I'm Nick Matt. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T, along with me.
3: Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive.
2: And we've got a very special guest with us, Mr. Matt Perino. What's up, guys? Have
3: anybody told you yet that you guys have voices for radio? No.
2: I don't know. Have they?
3: I mean, they tell me that all the time. I don't know about you, you no, know. No, but <laughs> no, nobody's told us that.
2: Just him, apparently. <laughs>
3: this must
2: be the one person DMs that Bruce is getting
3: instead of, uh, instead of the group DMs. Well, Max, we just didn't want to hurt your feelings. Mission uh, well, oh, accomplished. <laughs> so, Matt,
2: thanks for joining
1: us, man. Yeah, man. I, when you guys reached out, I love I love stuff like this because it's like we get so repetitive, and as I'm sure you know, like with you know just talking about the team and doing all this different stuff. It's good to like just change it up a little bit. and yeah, and you told me pizza in this place. I'm in.
2: All right, I'm down. So we have got in front of Bruce right now for the first time a box of Leonardis. He's had the box on his lap actually for quite some time, so he's got and he's got the sweaty thighs to prove it. <laughs> but he hasn't seen the pizza. And uh, Matt, you would say this is a. This is like a traditional, quote-unquote, Buffalo pizza. This is, yeah, this is one of the elites. This is like, if
1: we're talking about, like, heavyweight icons,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for me, Leonardi's is one of those, and you're going
3: to be impressed, I think. I think you're going to like it. So, tier maker, P- yes. Buffalo pizzas. this is this is S tier. Yes. All right, okay. Yes.
2: Oh, yeah, this is definitely S tier. There might be a okay. couple other S tiers, but this is a reliable, and we'll talk about it in a second why this is one of my favorites. We got into it on the DM. Nice, but, nice. All right, here we go. Okay. All, right, All so, right. So, give
3: us some initial feedback. Okay. So, what we have here is we have a sort of a, a rectangle with with curved edges. So, it's almost an oblong sort of a um, sort of a shaped pizza. Looks like it's cut in strips, basically. Yes. So, instead of getting a slice per se, what I'm going to get here is I'm essentially going to get a strip of pizza, <laughs> thus ensuring that each one has part of a crust to it. Unlike other pizzas cut in squares, sometimes you get that middle, it doesn't have any crust on it. Middles suck.
1: Okay, let's start there. (laughs) Middles suck. I'm a crust guy. I want some crust. And the problem is, when you get a traditional pizza, if you go like, if you get a large pizza and it gets cut in eight slices, you're never gonna get that middle junk. But Bocce's, who I love, Bocce's, who I love, their large pie, or their party pie, you get the middle slices like this. But I think Leonardi's, for all the ones that they get, they do it like this. I'm about that. Life.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to I'm gonna do a little waxing poetic on Buffalo Pizza, and then I want you to jump in and give me some additional, like some supplemental information Ooh, for Bruce. Where'd
1: you go already, by the way? Where'd we you go first? We went to
2: gyms. Okay. So we, we did stinger subs with Del Reed. Gotcha. Okay. So, Bruce had never had a stinger, didn't know what a stinger was until we, and we, we unveiled it on, on audio, but I guess on microphone him a second to realize it was steak and chicken <laughs> but that's 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 the beauty of the stinger right okay so a couple of things about this pizza that, I, that i'm all about all the one of the signatures of a good buffalo pizza are the cup and char t- pepperoni okay. right it's smaller than your pepperoni you're going to get on like your average chain pizza they typically will bowl up and char on the outside and you will get this beautiful cup of grease which is going to wreak havoc on your arteries and intestinal tract.
3: I'm noticing a trend here with some of the foods that we're eating. Yes. You're
2: in trouble. You're in <laughs> trouble. Your next week, is you're not going to be right for like three or four days <laughs> yeah. probably. Yeah, right. Okay, it's all
1: probably
3: right.
2: It's going to be about next Friday when everything starts to regulate.
1: Uh, you know. So you see this right here. This this is this is the money shot right here. This is, this is everything that I hope for in my pizza is finding the pepperoni, the cup and chars that kind of just integrate into the cheese and the crust and the sauce all at one moment this bite is probably going to be the elite bite of this box <laughs> okay
3: right here so i'm going to give you that piece well i appreciate that he's yeah. power ranking the bites for me now
2: the che- so the cheese obviously is is great you've got you've got some of the fresh herbs you can see sprinkled but it's sparingly. sparing, it's sparing. Uh, you've got just the, the golden chars on the cheese so you've got the areas where so some additional grease is either cooled or the cheese has really released all its moisture. And yes, spongy
1: crust. Dude, if Guy Fieri ever needs like a sidekick, you're in. You're <laughs> a spongy,
2: in. A spongy crust. It is a tough thing to mimic the buffalo crust. Uh, it is not like a pan pizza where it's crispy and greasy. It is not like a New York style where it's really thin. It's chewy. It is a mixture, and it has some chew, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think Leonardi's does it right. And the other thing about Leonardi's is the rectangle piece. And mm. Nobody else does it like this consistently. Everybody has another pie on the menu that doesn't get rectangle sliced. Um, but Leonardi's is a descendant of bocce. You said this. when yes. We talked about this. Yes. So bocce is the original buffalo piece. Yes. That's from the 40s. Okay. For sure,
1: and Bachi. Uh, I don't know if there was like a disagreement. I actually looked it up trying to see if I could like get like a like a nice little Wikipedia nugget for you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist. Nothing. So this, I feel like this has been passed on in generations and stories it's, and stuff is, like that. Yeah, this is uh, what is it called? The oral tradition. Of mm. pizza. Yes. And so there was a disagreement. They went and started their own place. I think. Listen, if somebody at Leonardi's is listening and you want to clarify this for
2: us, this is just Step what I've in. heard. This is just what I've
1: heard.
3: Hit us uh, up on Twitter. Yes. Make it right. So yeah, great pizza. This is a great okay.
2: pizza. So the two, the three places that I think fall in the S category on most people's lists are going to be Bocce, which is, I think, two locations. Uh,
1: Leonardi's. Three. Three. So there's one on transit, but they're, they're closing it because it was crap. And it was uh. like a franchise and like... It was just a poor example for a Bocce, so it's it's a good
2: thing they're closing. It. At Bocce, actually, they were the first one who did the Buffalo style pizza, and they originally they're called Bocce because they only served it like out of a kitchen at a Bocce like club, court, where people okay. went and played Bocce in the '40s. This is a big Bocce
1: ball.
3: Even today, you'll see like if you go to like
1: picnic like parks and they're having picnics, you'll see people out playing Bocce
3: ball. I have uh, a Bocce ball set. In my garage, sitting on top of one of my cabinets, that was given to my wife and I as a wedding gift. And I think we played it three times in Louisville when we had this big park across the street from us, but we haven't played it forever. And I actually feel like really bad about it right now. Yeah. Like right now, I'm feeling guilty. Uh,
2: Buffalo will still play Bocce. It's just as coincidental that Bocce wound up connected to the Buffalo Pizza. It's all about that family and how they make their pizza. Sure. So Leonardis is an offshoot of Bocce, And Imperial, in my understanding, is also an offshoot. Of I've Bocci.
1: never actually had Imperial though. Because oh, it's really? a downtown okay. staple, and I'm more of a Northtowns guy. Sure. So, but yes, that's on my to-do list, as is, I hate to admit it, Bar Bill. Never done Barbell. Oh. Wow. And it's like Josh Allen's favorite spot. So, you know, I feel like that will connect us on
3: uh, a, a chicken wing basis, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so there's something you said there that I, I need I need some clarification on. I hear these two phrases: the North Towns south towns is this like east west cleveland is this like a oh yeah you're You're one or the other
1: for sure okay
3: you have a take on it and so the south
1: towns is like orchard park hamburg west seneca east aurora Aurora. the north towns are like
3: amherst williamsville the kenmores uh or the tonawandas kenmore is there a cultural difference I understand you're going to give it to me biased because you just already clarified that you're a Southtowns guy. I
1: think yeah, I think Williamsville Clarence is more of like a, I hate to say this, but like a, like more uppity, like okay. you know. And I think like you're going to find more hunters in Orchard Park and Hamburg. I, I don't know. Is that a, is that a safe assumption?
2: Yeah, I mean the Northtowns have some of the nicer suburbs, but then again you get a lot of players who live in East Aurora and Hamburg that could be proximity to the stadium and the facility. Um, both of them have like. I don't know. Buffalo, I was trying to explain this earlier, like, Buffalo just has a pretty consistent median income, so a lot of the communities, there's not a ton of separation though. Like, even from Clarence to, like, Chittawaga, is there a difference? Yeah. Is it the same as some of the suburbs in Cleveland that we would be familiar with? No. Like, it's, the, the difference, the, the gap isn't that wide. Did you, have, you never lived in Buffalo?
3: No. I've never, I've been to Buffalo 11 times in my life. Wow. That's it. I, eight times when I, I had season tickets when Drew Bledsoe was a quarterback in 2002, wow. and I drove up from central Ohio to see him then, and then I've been back for intermittent Bills games since then with my wife and my father, but I never spent any meaningful time, no meaningful time at all, gotcha. in Buffalo. So what's the next step here,
2: because this right. is, I'm yeah, starting gonna, to get, We're, we're starting to get yeah. it pull it up. So I, we don't have any utensils, so we're going to do our best. Oh, that's okay. Alright, so I'm going to just grab one of these seven tickets. Yeah, we got it. Okay, this is gonna get greasy, but. Did you get wings from there too? No, we didn't get any wings. What is this? We're doing wings another time. That's a half piece of the people that weren't staying Gotcha, okay. <laughs> but I'm glad that you did it because this is not a wing spot. No, no. Like they're fine, but they're not. Everywhere right. claims to serve like wings, and they're all better than what we would probably get
3: at the average For spot sure, for market. sure. Okay. All right, he took his first. So bite. I had a bite. The crust is deceptively thick. When you look at it, it looks like it would be one of those cracker thin crusts that you get somewhere, places in Ohio, you get crispy edges, but the sponginess with the density means it's a completely different flavor profile because you feel like you're biting into something much more substantial than it looks. And I like it, I think it's good. I agree with you that those, I feel like this pizza would be irreparably harmed by taking away the crunch of the pepperoni from it. I feel like there is a significant gap between this pizza and cheese and this pizza and pepperoni. 100%. That's the diff- biggest difference between New York
1: style pizza and Buffalo pizza. You can't have Buffalo pizza. Like when you guys said, let's do this, I was concerned because how much time did you spend in Buffalo? Uh,
2: I only lived here until I was three, but my entire family lives okay. here. Okay. So I was worried because a lot of people
1: come here and be like, oh, let's get like onions and mushrooms. And this is the only if, if you're talking
3: about like you want to test the places pizza in buffalo cheese and pepperoni that's okay it. so right before we came here i said that there are certain standards that when you try a, a new food genre for the first time you have to go with the basic and the standard bear of that pizza isolated so for example isolating the variables for pizza that's clearly pepperoni if you try a, pe- a pizza place for the first time you got to try pepperoni. Why would you try a pizza place for the first time and get broccoli and cauliflower with cheddar cheese on top?
1: So I'm also newly obsessed with, you guys watch Barstool's uh, The Pizza Guy?
3: Uh, I am annoying? familiar with The Pizza Guy.
1: Dude, like, I, I always thought Barstool was kind of s- silly. And so I never really, like, it is wasn't my generation. But recently I've been just, like, <laughs> smashing these uh, pizza reviews that he does. It's so funny, but he always does the che- just cheese because that's the New York style slice. Mm-hmm. But for here, if you if you have a pizza and it's just cheese or it's got a bunch of nonsense on
3: it and you try to like compare it, you can't. That's, th- this is the pie you got to use. It's like if you go to a hamburger place and they tell you, Hey man, this is the best burger in whatever the geographic region is. And you go there and the first burger you take has pulled pork and barbecue sauce and onion rings on it. That's not the standard bear. You know, give me lettuce, tomato, you know, mayo, some sort of standard toppings, so that I can truly judge the burger for the burger, and not introduce other variables into it. When you go to a Chinese place, you get chicken and broccoli, beef and broccoli, or general sauce. That's your standard bear. Yeah. Two things. I'm calling in the napkin
2: brigade. Mr. Barino could help me one, thank you. Number two is the only thing that I think is unique about buffalo pizza, the pepperoni is, has a slow spice to it. It does. As you, as you get to the end of like two or three pieces, you're like, alright, there's, there's something in here that's got just a tiny bit of heat, and it is the spice mix inside of the pepperoni, which is probably more, like I say, it's probably margarita brand cup and char which you can
3: get. It looks like there's red pepper flakes there. Which there very well may be. This is the elite piece. This is piece one for me. But this is the elite piece that was right here. You were talking about this one. And you're getting to the good part. I am literally about to take a bite wow. into the piece that was specifically singled out by Mr. Perino as In being an, an elite level bite. So I hope you will take a journey with me as I take this bite. I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> That was a darn good bite. Now the thing about this is,
2: this is a, such a you like this kind of pizza is so unique that you wind up craving it if you're not from here. Like it's good, and I can have pizza all the time. I'll be honest and say I'm a pizza. I'm a pizza whore. I will eat pizza that is so-so or good or great. Like I will eat them. Domino's all. and Papa John's. You're not shying away from anything there. Mm, I, mm. I, will, I will consume the pizza. If the pizza is present, it will go it will get in my body. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but this is such like a specific way that it's done. And it is it is admirable, desirable, it's awesome.
1: You guys have, have had Chicago deep deep dish oh, yeah. in yeah. Chicago. I like it. Like I like deep dish pizza, but for me, and probably because I grew up on this, um, this to me is just the elite of the elite. And I've had some good pizza places at very but in Vegas there's a place I I, I shot them out when we were talking about this, uh, Naked City Pizza. They took a they took their act from Buffalo to Vegas to bring Buffalo style pizza down there. Nice. Uh wonderful. But uh no, I I, I love Buffalo style pizza. It's my it's my jam.
2: Alright. So Matt, you got more food no. stuff? Go ahead. You're from the area?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You grew up a Bills fan? Yes. Where'd you go to school?
1: Amherst and Williamsville North.
2: Where'd you go to college?
1: University of Buffalo.
2: You're a lifer. Mm-hmm. I'm a lifer. Alright, so here's something I I find. So I really want to, want to dig it in it's on. About, it's about the Bills and your work. So you grew up a fan maybe maybe potentially cried during the music city miracle like some of us I didn't cry
1: I cried wide right I'm a little older how old are you guys uh, 31
2: 34
3: I'm
1: Thirty. about to turn 37 okay so yeah, the, you look good thanks bro uh Get that hot
2: tape.
3: <laughs> I feel personally attacked right now
1: <laughs> so uh wide right you know I was you know, nine, ten. So just really getting into my fandom, and so, yeah, I wasn't as emotional about the music theory miracle because I lived the four Super Bowls. So it was like, yeah, it was a bummer that we lost the playoff game, but hey, I come from the era of we lose Super Bowls every year, so it's a little bit different. All
2: right, so now you're straight up, straight up beat right? Straight up journalist. As a journalist, I think that your your employer um, and a lot of your readership, maybe all of your readership, expect a certain level of bias, of, of, uh, of unbiased perspective reporting. Yeah. Yes, and that's a journalistic standard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As a fan, and there's no judgment here. I'm just talking out of my own, like my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think would be so hard for me would be to have to sacrifice the raw emotional experience and connection to the team and their performance in any way. And I imagine that if I were to get into the kind of role that you have, there's a certain expectation that you've got to be able to, you know... You can't be down in the dumps for three days when the team loses, right? That that kind of hurts, like, it can hurt how you perform your specific job, right? You can start to sound bitter or, you know, just, I don't know. It's a different, fans sound different than than reporters, right? How do you experience all that? And do you have any thoughts
1: about how that all works? It's a great question. It's a great topic because it's something that when I got this job, One of the things that my employer said to me is that we like the fact that we're hiring you in 2000, it was 18, and you're more of this hybrid reporter, digital media savant, and fan. So I'll admit this, when you start doing this, where you're in a locker room, where you're talking to the players, where it's, it's your job, it's just like a natural progression that the fan part of it subsides. Like, I'm not emotionally invested with a team. It's there somewhere, it lies dormant, I think, but it's just, it's just different now. I watch, and, 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 it, and it's a switch that flipped because I was in a, a sports book during the Cleveland, or the Baltimore game, when Andy Dalton threw that pass, screaming my head off. With Adam Hill, shout out Adam Hill if you're listening. He's an MMA reporter, huge Bills fan uh, at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We were in a sports book, we were just watching the game and I was freaking out. And So your fan came out? My fan came out in that moment because I'm still passionate about, more so than the team or the players, the city. Like what it
2: represents to the city?
1: Right, and what I think is so cool is if one day I cover... A Bills playoff run to a Super Bowl—that to me is worth trading my fanhood for. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To be able to bring that to so many fans and bring that in, that enjoyment and that um, pandemonium, that pandemonium to the fans would be something so special. And as you as you progress in your journalism career as in sports journalism, and you'll hear a lot of different sports guys say this: the fan part of the game it just wears off a little bit. Like, you know, I was so involved in the UFC and, like, the daily grind, the yearly grind, the show off-season, that I just, like, my relationship with the Bills just wasn't the same as a fan because I didn't have the time for it. So I already had begun that journey before I got the job. Yeah. That makes sense. Is it...
0: Rate right with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com.
2: So you didn't actually have to, it sounds like in your case, you didn't necessarily have to push yourself or guard yourself against a certain kind of emotional investment, like tell yourself to take it down. It naturally happened. Is that is that part of it?
1: Yes, because I'm so used to this being my job now. Yeah. I've covered, so I started in 2010, covering the... Buffalo Bulls football and basketball teams, which that is my school, that's my alma mater. While I was covering them and learning my craft, those I cheered for those teams. So I had to learn in that moment to temper those feelings. When you're in press boxes, you can't cheer. When you're sitting next to the Buffalo News and right. Niagara Gazette and whatever, so that start that process started and moved on to the Toronto News and the UFC. It's funny. Going to the UFC job, I had a lot of favorite fighters, guys that I, I rooted for. I was a big John Jones guy from Central New York, mm-hmm. like I rooted for him. Uh, I was a big uh, uh, Junior Dos Santos fan before that, Anderson Silva. When you get there, you work for the UFC, you can't play favorites. So that also helped me move on from that band and it kind of sucks like in a way
2: that's the thing I'm curious about like that would make me sad like you have to give up something that is who you were for what 18 22 years of your life you know and it's I'm not again it's not not trying to like gotcha or anything but again that's one of the things I think about like this is such a part for me and I'm you know now well into my adulthood and it's I've built upon it as opposed to try to you know uh position myself where it's a little bit different than it was when I was younger but it's such a part of my identity I'm a Bills fan you know what I mean it's a conversation topic amongst everybody I know Uh, a lot of times you get to know me to a certain point I'm a season ticket holder for a time all that kind of stuff and I don't know like does it feel like you're missing something
1: no because I wasn't a traditional fan beforehand anyway like I didn't go to games I preferred the uh, television experience to the in-person, and I'm not a big drinker, so that, you know, I didn't go to the games to get smashed, and it just wasn't my, my deal, and, you know, I was more about, you know, what it meant to the city, and and, and identifying with that, And but when you leave the city, as I'm sure you know, you know, and you know, the city part of it, like, you move on from that. So, it's just, um, It's not as tough as you'd think. I think that you know, if they ever did win a Super Bowl, I wouldn't even shy away from it. There would be a part of me that enjoys that, that celebrates
3: that. It's just a little bit different because it's my job. Sure, sure. I wonder if some of fandom is this strange awestruck concept and that when you're around it every day, when you're around the players every day, when you're in the facilities every day, the awe part of it, obviously dies away dies away you know for for a lot of fans the idea that you could be on the practice field is like this amazing eye-opening experience and as those all moments get taken away from you the fan starts to go with it I wonder if that would be like that
1: that's an amazing amazing astute observation on your end because that's exactly what's helped the whole process like I'm sitting there octagon side, for every big fight of conor mcgregor's career of every moment in in limousines with him in in uh, buses with him in his training room like you you treat these guys like they're everybody else and i'm sure that people that work for the bills will tell you the same thing so yeah and then when you're interviewing professional athletes all the time and you're talking to them like they're people they they lose their superhero qualities
3: i heard an mma fighter i'm a huge ufc fan by the way I heard a, uh, an MMA fighter say one time that awe and professionalism cannot occupy the same space, which I thought was really astute. You know, Every space in your heart that is occupied by awe is then not occupied by professionalism. And every space that's occupied by professionalism is then not occupied by awe.
1: Yeah, because in every moment of professionalism, you need to be composed, you need to be clear thinking, you need to be, you know... Uh, in deep thought about your actions, and so to have those awe moments where you're just like, you know, brain dead. You <laughs> because can't so afford you, it. yeah, you can't afford it, and you just your your mind takes you to a place where that you don't have to worry about that.
3: And I think that's that's getting to the to the to the base of Nick's point is that there's magic in that awe, and he would feel sad losing that magic, even if the professionalism was there taking its place.
1: I don't want to get um, sappy or sound like I'm trying to win points but my, do it do it <laughs> my those moments for me come from my kids from my wife you know as you grow and as you like experience new things and people I'm not saying that people that are diehard Bills fans don't have that with their kids of course they do but I don't feel like I'm losing anything because I have gained so many things in the
3: last 10 years of my life that they fill holes that you may have created everybody gets to decide what occupies their emotional identity right and even though you don't have that same fandom right that some people have that doesn't mean you're, you're missing something it doesn't mean you're there's a hole in you right? you've right. got plenty of things in your life that fill you up emotionally that way that for maybe Nick and I it becomes from fandom for you it comes from different things right
1: and if, if I ever got to the point where it was a big enough of a void in my life I'd go do something else. Yeah. Like, I don't have to do this. I could go back to the UFC. I could I could do whatever I need to do or, you know, even someday down the road, maybe even going to teaching or something, which I really... One of the big things when I was in school is I really loved leadership. I was editor-in-chief of the school paper. I really loved leading people. I almost could be a, a football coach, maybe, because I, like, I just love creating synergy. Somebody I just... I, a mentor of mine, I was just having coffee with her recently, and she said you're really good at that. And like, we all have our skills. Like some people are great writers, some people, like, which I'm not by the way. If you're ever coming to me looking for like some like award winning article, which I've won awards for stuff that I've written, but that's not my strong suit. You know, my strong suit is engagement and the digital experience. That's what I'm trying to bring to the beat. Um, I love social media. I love what what that creates this. Like, we wouldn't be doing this 10 years ago, mm-hmm. because that wouldn't we wouldn't have been afforded that possibility. So, you know, I just, I love a lot of different things, and if it ever gets to a point where I miss being a Bills fan, there's always
3: a way back. You can always go home.
2: Yes. <laughs> so, speaking of Bills, mm. they are going to play football this year, I've heard. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, there's going to be some football in the future. Feels like it's been a long time. What's your, um, if you were talking to somebody who, like, back, you, you spent some time in Vegas, right? mm-hmm. so if you were talking to somebody who had no connection, no affiliation, no real interest in the Bills, and they asked you to give them, like, the Reader's Digest version of where the Bills are right now, how do you think you'd boil it down? The first
1: thing I'd say is they have one of the best defenses in the league, led by one of the top five defensive minds in the game. I think that's a fair assessment to say you start going down, there's there's tears, right? I think Sean McDermott has proven with what he's done in the last two years in Buffalo on top of what he did in Carolina that he knows how to coach defense. He knows how to get the most out of the players that play defense for him. And so I think that's what you got going for you at the start, at the baseline. Like, they're going to be good on defense. He knows how to evaluate talent there. And he's going to get the most out of his players. So you, you going in... In a league where offenses all of a sudden, all the rage, not all of a sudden, it's been that way for a while, but you know, passing the way the passing game is in the league today, I would tell you that you need to stop people from scoring points and they have a coach and a defense that conceptually can do that. So that's where you start. Then you go to the offensive side of the ball and it's a completely re-envi- re-envisioned unit, top to bottom the 11 guys on the field could be looking at eight new starters yeah. so you take that into consideration and you know you have a, a second year quarterback who I thought played well above expectations in his rookie year i had low expectations after everything that i was reading about him everything all the the, the bad plays that you watched on the the highlight tapes i was like man, this could be a long year. And then we started training camp, and he sailed that one over, I think it was Marcus Murphy's head. It was like 10 yards over his head. And I'm like, yeesh, man, what, do we get, what are we starting here? Hospitality 10 flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you have yourself a good defense, may, maybe great defense, if Ed Oliver is what we all expect him to be in, in year one, which expectations might be a little high for him, but we can get back to that. You have a quarterback who now is put in a position to do what you, want you brought him here to do, to make plays with his arm, and all of a sudden now you can have an expectation that he's going to make plays with his legs. So that dual threat I think is interesting. Um, I think they're going to be a top 18 offense and a top 5 defense in 2019. And that's the baseline. I think it could go up from there, and I think 10 wins should be
3: the expectation now you said a couple things there I want you to I want you to dive deep on there first off expectations for Ed Oliver you think they might be too high
1: yes only because I think it's okay to have too high expectations because something he said during one of his initial interviews as a bill he said I've been ready for the NFL I believe since I was a freshman so immediately you've been ready two years you better hit the ground running I want to see six stacks. I want to see chaos. I want to see 70% snap count. I want to see it all. But then you dial it back a little bit and remember he's, he's going to be seeing a lot of things for the first time. Just like Josh Allen did last year. Even though he's much more NFL ready than Josh Allen was. He is going to see things and he's replacing a guy that you could just count on the fact that when Kyle Williams was on the field you didn't have to worry about it. He was going to get the job done. At least not let you down. You know what I mean? And that's something to be said for that. Like, to put somebody out there and know, okay, he might not make a play every time, but I know that he's going to do what we're asking him and need him to do. Can you have that confidence in Ed Oliver as a rookie? I'm not so sure. And he's in his playbook. Trey White recently said it. I wrote a story on it off of his NFL Network interview. He said, all camp long, that dude was in his playbook. Like I was so impressed with him from a team perspective, which that's all these guys do at One Bill's Drive is sing uh, by the way, you guys picked the worst weekend to come here. It is hot. It is hot out. We're sweating right now. It's going to get only worse in the next couple days.
3: Um, yeah.
2: We bring, the hot,
3: we bring the. heat. You bring the heat. We wait, with wait, us.
2: What did you say it
3: was? I said on Twitter that it was my hot takes mixing with other atmospheric conditions. There you go. That we oh, I love it. I love it. So I think that. I think that you
1: shouldn't. You should still have those expectations, but just realize that it is the NFL. Things are going to be hard, he's a little bit undersized, and that's going to matter sometimes in some matchups. And I think it's on the coaching staff, and you, you think back and you don't really give this as, as much thought as you probably should, Sean McDermott had to take play-calling duties away from Leslie Frazier for a minute last year. There was some um, a situation where everybody wasn't on the same page, and obviously there was some Vonta Davis nonsense and, and all these other contributing factors, but... Are, is everybody on the same page, ready to go? It seems like it, but you gotta just temper things a little bit, I think, because there's not, for every Baker Mayfield, there's, you know, 10 other guys that don't come
3: in and just take the league by storm. Well, and defensive tackle historically has not been one of those positions. We got spoiled, you know, seeing a couple defensive tackles come in and be impact players in their rookie years, but historically, it has not been that case. I think a lot of people look at defensive line play and they, they oversimplify it, and they think, oh, well, he hit the ground running. And that's that's just historically not been the case. Marcel Darius didn't hit the ground running. No, number not. three overall pick didn't hit the ground running when he came in. Kyle Williams didn't either. You know, by the back half of the first year, it was starting to kind of maybe turn on a little bit for him. They started to figure it out. But they didn't come out. and. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds looked really, really, really bad at the beginning of last year. So I agree we should probably maybe, you know, understand there are other factors coming into whether Ed Oliver decides he's going to hit the ground running here. But I think that's astute. I think we maybe do need to temper the expectations a little bit for Ed Oliver. And I understand it's exciting, and we didn't think he was going to be there at 9, and that probably adds to some of the hype. And the idea that Kyle Williams left didn't just leave a vacuum at 3 Technique, it left a vacuum emotionally for us. Right. And so we just poured that emotion into the guy who filled his spot. Which I, I don't really know if that's really fair to Ed Oliver for us to pour that that unrequited love that we no longer have because kyle williams isn't here into at all he's gotta for anybody to take that mantle
1: they have to have a passion for buffalo like that's one of the things that i think kyle williams really endeared him to the self to the fan base was he owned the fact that he loved this place and he, he shouted from the rooftops i think if anybody's going to take that mantle Lorenzo Alexander already has a pizza bit. Mm. I think it's Josh Allen. I think he's doing all the right things. He's saying all the right things. He he wears Buffalo on his sleeve wherever he is. And so, you know, he's probably gonna get a captain this year. I mean, I can't see a scenario oh, where they absolutely. don't paint that, put that on his chest. And then, you know, I, I think it's more in that. And I think that Ed Oliver can come along solely and be who he needs to be. And I don't think Sean McDermott's gonna rush things. I don't think I think Jordan Phillips. Slotted in as the, as the as the guy there with the first team throughout the spring tells you something that you still think. Oh, hey, by the way, we got this guy, this former second round pick, who we paid a lot of money for this year to prove it to the league and to us, and he's going to be a big part of the plans as well.
2: What do you think? So, as being a fan pre- prior to covering the team, right? Mm-hmm. While you were doing other other jobs in journalism, I'm sure you were still a Bills fan at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a significant history in. You know, uh, foundation of knowledge about what the organization is like, with what what you've seen, you've only been here for the Brandon Bean and Sean McGermott show, right? But you've seen and your family has experienced all of the dysfunction that the team has had for the rest of our adult lives, right? Right. What do you think of of those two guys? I think that they ended the drought and that bought them so much capital. You know, that bought them so much leeway and freedom and you know now we're in a situation where people like yourself are talking about 10 wins should be an expectation um, they seem to be very fans seem to be very interested and open to the cerebral like comprehensive nature I mean, they kind of walk in lockstep and everything they do seems to be well thought out or have some, some semblance of well thought out mess. Is that special? Do you see that at all as well? Or with the access that you get and the things that you see on a regular basis, is there anything exceptional about them that that, that is even surprising to yourself or that moved the needle for your thoughts on them? I think that what I find,
1: I don't even know if I would say it's exceptional, but what I find to be encouraging is that they both know who they are, what they want to do, and they are professional. and experienced enough to execute that vision. And you've seen it. with Josh Allen could be terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm completely allowing for that possibility. And that doesn't mean that if that happens that Brandon Bean didn't think at one time he was the guy that could lead this franchise in the right place. He's doing what he believes is right and he's he's doing a good job of putting pieces around him in a Responsible manner when you're talking about some of these contracts and free agency, how they're building the foundation through the draft, so on and so forth. I am a little bit concerned, and I'm very. This is a very important season because last year it's hard to like really take too much away from that season because there were so many missing pieces, right? And there's still missing pieces, and in the 2019 roster, I think from what this is going to probably be end up being. And also remember, they're also benefiting not only from the goodwill that they built with that playoff game run, they're also benefiting from the fact of the absolute shit show that's happening over uh, at Sabres' place, and what a nightmare scenario is happening for that organization. So, if I'm Tim and Carry or if I'm uh, Kim and Terry Pagula, sitting uh, uh, up in the office at the facility at One Bill's Drive, I'm like, "Hey, take as long as you need. You know, you made the playoffs in year one, first time in 17 years." Everything seems to be going swimmingly. We love Josh Allen. He's so great with the fans, with the people. Take your time. It's all good. So I think that they're benefiting from the circumstances. But I think that I'm also very impressed with Brandon Bean as a a person, as a talent evaluator, because let's be honest, Tremaine Edmonds is looking like stud city. I don't want to jump the gun too much. And a couple people are... All of a sudden, for camp, they're really letting uh, the emotions start to flutter out with Tremaine. And I don't blame you. The kid just turned 21. He could be a freak of nature. He he's could a be monster. Yes, he could be a game. He could be a franchise-changing type of player. And I don't want to be the guy that's saying he's gonna be, but
3: it could happen.
2: So, you just want to give a little bit of
3: inception to the idea to be yeah, there. You go, there you go, Nick. Just there gonna plant that in the back of your mind now. You heard it here first, but you didn't really hear it. Yeah, first. you didn't really. You didn't really shut your mouth
2: unless it goes for, unless it happens.
3: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All but, the credit, none of the blame.
2: So, Taryn Johnson,
1: uh, Saran Neal, by the way, yeah, listen, I thought, man, we sat there the first five, six weeks of last season, camp to then, and I was like, man, Saran Neal might not be on this roster next year. He just, it didn't look like it was clicking. And, you know, quietly he just operated in this quiet state of confidence. And I saw him, he he Instagram story late last season, you all don't know what's coming. Something to that effect. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then I seen him all off season working his ass off on social media. I seen the workouts, I seen, you know, the dedication. And now we're coming into this year and man, I was kind of surprised by spring. The dude is, like, looking lights out on that second unit at, at the slot corner. He, he can still play safety. He's a huge special teams contributor. They're evaluating talent well, in my in my estimation at this point. This year will go a long way to tell us how good, but it's been good. So I think they're doing a good job. That's a long-winded answer, but I think they're doing a good job.
2: So there's breaking, you know, there's, there's, very, there's new news today with the safety position, mm. and things could change by the time this airs. But we'll get your, at least your initial reaction. Um, Raphael Bush stepping away. We're talking about Neal stepping up. There's a ready-made, I mean, you can't plan it any better. It's like a freaking succession plan. You went through a state attorney and put this whole thing together. It's so weird because I've seen
1: I've seen Raphael Bush on social media posting these, like, intense boxing workouts, like, the last two weeks. And I'm like, man, I, my thought process when I saw that was, okay, he saw Neil Pop in the in the spring. I'm gonna do everything that I can to make sure that I'm ready for camp. And instead, he's like, eh, I'm out." <laughs> so to me, just not knowing his his thinking, he hasn't put out a statement on about it. I'm thinking he thinks, "Okay, I'm going into camp. They just drafted a safety. The safety they drafted last year is getting all types of other run. Uh, and oh, by the way, if you take this." Defensive backfield as a whole, it's one of the best, at least I would say top six or seven units in the league at a minimum. So, yeah, I think he just saw the writing on the wall. He's, he's a little bit older. Do you really want to sell out to be a special teams contributor, even if you are that 50? I think you get to a point in your career where it's like, I've been grinding for eight
3: years, I'm done. And maybe he just had that realization. A lot of people say when you start thinking about retirement, that's when you should retire. This is last year, his contract anyway. He was a young guy. And... You know, you wonder if you know, this being the last year of his contract, if he started to look at the horizon and go, okay, now when this is over, am I going to want to do this whole thing again? And then it kind of snuck up on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. You wonder psychologically if it's, he started thinking about next year and okay, when this is all over, am I going to want to do this whole free agency thing, move my family, do all this stuff again? And then it kind of, it kind of caught him a little bit emotionally with all those other conglomeration of other emotions you were talking about
1: yeah and you never know what opportunities may may have presented themselves to him over the course of the offseason he might have something lined up that he wants to go do instead and more power to him like listen this is a rough game man like I don't know how these guys do it for as long as they do it some of them so yeah I think it'll be fine from a Bill's perspective yeah I'm very I think this is a good development because I want to see what Jaquan Johnson is all about he'll get a lot more reps now they brought in uh, Kurt Coleman Coleman there you go uh, I read that he did not have a great year last year uh, with the Saints. He was, he was pretty dynamic at times in, under McDermott in Carolina. Physical guy. So maybe if you can bottle that in short bursts, that makes sense. But I still think he's going to have an uphill battle trying to make this team because they love Neal. And
3: I can see them keeping Neal and Johnson. And then going from there. Jaquan Jones is a football player. I mean, if he if he would have tested better, he would not have been as late of a round pick as he has. All the instincts are there, the anticipations there, the physicality's there. He just tested absolutely terribly. Which some guys do. Yeah, and that's going to happen. I got another
2: question for you. I'm going to go back to the, the brain trust of, of McDermott and me. I'm going to take I'm going to take Josh Allen out of the equation because I think getting the quarterback wrong. That'll cost anybody. That'll cost the best guys their job, right? If, if things go wrong around that, that can really, that can really hurt. Now, you have said that you know you believe Terry and Kim are, and there's a long leash there for those guys. And I hope that you're right. If you had to guess something else, that would be the Achilles heel, Achilles heel, um, Bean and McDermott, and it was not Josh Allen related. What do you think that could be?
1: Here's another thing. I don't think that they're married in terms of what the future holds. Like, I don't think that if they decided to move on from Brandon Bean, that means that Sean McDermott's gone, or vice versa. So I don't think that their futures are tied together as much as, you know, you might you might think. Because I do think that they've done enough individually to, you know, and, and McDermott kind of twofold, because he went out there and he drafted you in your first draft, Tredavious White and Matt Milano. You could say Doug Whaley did, but... Come on, let's be honest. I think that was McDermott signing off on those picks. So, you know, I don't think their future is 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 marriage. I think that they work well together. Together, I put out that story about like detail, which I thought was so awesome, Like so, so great. interesting. Like that was, I will say, in my whole year, that was the moment where I, I, I'm a big Brandon Bean fan. Like I think he's a good guy. I think he gives you a window in. I think he really talks. When you ask him a question, he tells you what's what's up. Sean is a great guy, but he's he's got the coach speak down. He he's from the school of Belichick when it comes to that stuff. He 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 always you you guys listen to his press conference. He always says, you know, he'll put out like a cliche, and then so give himself some time to think about it, and then he'll hammer home the point that he wants to hammer home. He was so eloquent, more so than Brandon when I asked this question, and it, it started to. Develop into a conversation in the room. Mike Rodak got involved, and uh, maybe Jay. I'm not sure. A couple guys. We really just had a conversation about this, and Sean was so forthcoming and like to talk about like what he's seen around the league when when it hasn't worked. When gossip is starting to infiltrate, and you all of a sudden you're hearing from other coaches that guys upstairs are doing stuff without you knowing about it. And they both were straight up about it. Like we knew that coming into these positions, we've seen it fracture before. And we know that we have to do this a certain way to include each other and to work together. And you even saw it in that video. You know the Bills released that draft video? Man, Sean, I didn't see any high-fives between Bean and McDermott when you saw Shane and and Bean kind of like yucking it up a little bit. But they're working together on this. Um, I forget what your original question was.
2: What would be the Achilles heel if those guys didn't work out?
1: For Sean, for me, it would be if we continue to see some troubling patterns continue in terms of like the offense the colossal the head-banging nature of them wanting to run the ball when they're not a good running team last year and if you are going to run the ball can you get a little bit more creative with how you're going to do it i mean listen there were times last year dial up that tape jordan mills was doing absolutely nothing on the right side to do anything to help out anybody that was in the backfield. And they kept going with them, like, and they kept running that way. And it's like, I don't know, I just think that Sean has to make sure that, you know, the challenge record has to, you know, you want to improve that thing too. I mean, there's just some things lingering. As good of, as a deve- player development guy as he is, he's got to get better in game. And, and I didn't even have that take at the end of the season. It's something that I really, it's been brought to my attention over the course of the last four weeks, months gone back and watched, and yeah, there's some stuff that
3: troubles him. So you think more of on the game day side of the coaching as opposed to the management side, player development, organizational side? Exactly. Okay.
2: I think the thing that I agree with that entirely, I give him leeway on those things because he's so good at the other stuff and we've kind of had you know coaches who can do maybe one thing good, he can do three out of five. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's kind of like, oh shit, man, we I want to fire this guy and bring in another one who can do one and a half out of five, right. you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, that's just me talking as a fan and, like, how I feel about it and all the, you know, all the social, uh, all the goodwill he's built up in me because of it and the drought and everything. Just, he I, the, the way that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott run the organization, I don't feel embarrassed as a Bills fan. Vontae Davis walked down on us. That was embarrassing. Without a doubt. Nate Peterman's performance, that was embarrassing.
1: So do you think that Vonta Davis's walking out was embarrassing to you and to the organization? Or was it embarrassing to him as a man and as a football player?
2: I mean, so I can tell you at my workplace, the next day a guy came up to me and said, so you guys are so bad, people are quitting on you at halftime. You know, it's the easy narrative. It's right. the easy, low-hanging fruit. It's the trolling. It's the easy bullshit that we all deal with. So... But no, upon upon reflection, of course, when you get some distance, you can always be like, that's, you know, you, you can't blame anybody. Whenever an athlete is on your team and has signed up for all the commitments and all the expectations, not just like any athlete, like a seasoned athlete, right? And then decides, ah, not for me at a moment's notice, right? You know, that's you can't you can't hold that on the organization too much. But when the performance as a whole is so bad, it's easy for it to get morphed into
3: something else the press conference when they sent anthony lynn out there to have a chat with the media as the interim head coach and tell you about who he was going to start was far more embarrassing than any vonte davis walking away at halftime yeah. that was when i was embarrassed because it was organizational it was the privy conference i wasn't privy to that i wasn't privy to that i wasn't privy doug to Waley. that doug, doug whaley Waley. yeah and poor anthony lynn Oh, uh, who are you going to start? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to start Cardale Jones. I mean, EJ Manuel. You know, and it was it it's, was. It's been a troublesome, at times, go of it for the Pagulas since they bought of this team, right? Because <laughs> I mean,
1: I'll tell you what was embarrassing. You know, when I was still really kind of would class my, classify myself as a Bills fan, Doug Marone, up and leaving. You're Doug Marone. Like, I'm sorry, but like you were. A really crappy Division One head coach at Syracuse, which, by the way, Syracuse sucks. I'm a UB guy, and we just <laughs> we just took out the orange on the basketball court this year, baby. It's a good time to be a Bull. And let me just tell you, this year things are still looking up. Okay, things are many good. Things are still pretty good. We got like, good good recruiting class coming in. Don't worry,
3: Buffalo faithful, gotcha. It's gonna be good here. Sorry, I went off course. Little plug for my old mater. So, real quick, I want to backtrack to something you said. Sean McDermott was shockingly forthcoming in that in that room with you and Mike Rodat and things. Have you noticed Sean McDermott loosening up a little bit over the last twelve months? Because it feels to me, just anecdotally, that he's starting to loosen up a little bit. It's,
2: it seems to me that he's picking his spots. When before he wasn't allowed, he was he was still trapped, and now he will maybe but i think
1: also there's a sense of ease that comes with roster development and roster turnover and roster improvement so i think that if you're looking at him in at otas or minicamp and press conferences the last couple weeks yeah things are great right now the fans are i mean if you did like a like a poll of all the fans and where you where's your confidence level going into the season it's probably the highest it's been in a long time i mean you, know, you arguably have the best quarterback you've had since Jim Kelly,
3: or the possibility of that, at least. we I did a poll on Twitter just to test confidence level. I got over 1,100 votes. 88% of Bills fans said, yes, Josh Allen's the guy. Right now, if you held a gun to my head and made me tell you, 88% said he's the guy. So that's a good feeling. And
1: that, that makes you loosen up a little bit when you have that kind of confidence. Like, if you're like you know, Adam Gase in Miami last year, when things are just going terrible and you're just, you're just not great at managing that chaos. Like, I just think that that's when things become really stressful. And right now you have the full confidence of your bosses. You have the full confidence of, you know, the people that pay your bills or pay your, uh, your salary in the fans. And so, man, I I think things are, are good. I think if, Things will go bad if they really, really suck to start the season. Like, that's an easy three game set to start. I know it's two row games, but those are winnable row games. I am not sold on the Jets. A lot, of, you listen to some experts talk and they're like, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. Dude, that offensive line from a team that covered an offensive line that was terrible last year, that Jets' offensive line is trash. And I was just, so next week, preview. We have an AFC East preview podcast coming out. NYUpSyracuse.com. It's going to be myself, Andrew Callahan covers the Patriots, Daryl Slater covers the Jets, and Safid Dean covers the Dolphins. Mega pod, mega pod, mega AFC pre- East preview, and basically like all of us just kind of giving our takes of everything that's going on in the division. And even in in that, you get the sense that there's this like this. Everything's going to be good with the Jets. Like, Sam Darnold's got it figured out. The guy that threw four interceptions in a game. Listen, you throw four interceptions in a game,
3: I'm sorry. You know who throws, throws four interceptions in a game? Joel Flacco when he threw five against the Bills. You remember Brian that? Ryan Fitzpatrick when he goes off, it's tragic on you. Yes, exactly, exactly. If you have that in you, like, it, I would just temper things there. But their,
1: their offensive line is bad. Their defense is going to be much better. As a matter of fact, their defense is probably going to be good. You know, I would I would put them in the same category as the Bills as... You know, an upper echelon defense in the league. I mean, Quinn Williams is half what they think. I think Mosley's going to add a dimension. So I think um we kind of went off on a tangent again. I keep going off on tangents. Still thinking about it's still beer. thinking about twenty three wins for the UB basketball
3: team this year. I mean, that's <laughs> just stuck in my head now. Between UB basketball teams, the beer and the pizza, we're just we're just riffing right now. You know, mm-hmm. I think. Uh,
1: I just think that uh, the way that it's been run, the way that it's been uh, developed, the, the you know, Brandon Bean's a bright guy. I think that comes through in every type of access that fans have to him. And I think if you have bright people in place, important places, things are good. Things are at least like you can go into the season thinking it's going to be competitive. But that was the point. They lose that Jets game. And if they lose it in a bad way, oh, man, like,
2: I think it's tough about the beginning of the season is if we don't start fast, we got a brutal end. Dude, those there's
1: four road games in the last eight that are just season crushers. Any one of them could be, any one of them could be like a complete confidence depleter. I mean, at Dallas, at Cleveland, at uh, New England, at Pittsburgh. Even the home games, like the Eagles is going to be tough. Um, who's the other home game at the end of the year there that's going to be tough? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I mean, gosh, it feels so like it's much always there's stuff.
3: always that one Chiefs game two-thirds of the way through the season that just crushes your soul right. we have multiples of those this year what was the what was the year the Trent Edwards was a five and two they got off to the start yeah we beat the Raiders on a last second Roscoe Parrish out route at the two-yard line cut into the end zone if 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 Trent Edwards can go five and two can't Josh Allen and this Bill's defense
1: go five and two to start this season yes we did a whole
3: pod about how we win the AFC East and what would happen to happen. There you in go. Order for us to win the AFC East. I love it. We said fast start. It was a, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Right.
1: <laughs> I really have a feeling that, that that New England game is going to be a banger. That fourth game, mm-hmm. I really think that they're, they're retooling over there a little bit. Like on defense, like Trey Flowers got an insane contract, but he was an impactful player last year. And so I want to see what that pass rush is going to look like. Michael bennetts he's getting up there. Like, he's a nice addition, a nice stopgap, a nice Band-Aid. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm very interested to see, like, I'm also not team Stephen Gilmore. I think he's way overrated. And that's from, he's played well the last couple of years. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's an elite shutdown corner. I think Robert Foster got the better of him a couple times. The one that Robert Foster lost in the Sun last year, that's six. Torched him. That's six, and Stephen Gilmore looked like, an undrafted free agent out there to me he looked like the undrafted free agent I'm getting real takey right now I got a beer in me I'm getting real takey (laughs) but you know I think Bills fans should be excited and you know it could always go south it's it's the Bills it's 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 Buffalo but hope for the best for your sakes the fans for your family's sake yes for my family's sake for my dad's sake my uncle for your ancestors who have come before us. So what else is going on here? So g- give me the rundown of what...
2: Right? All right, so we went to Jim's takeout. Okay. Not stairs. We did Leonardi's with you. Tomorrow morning, we're going to Ted's with Marcel. Okay. Tomorrow afternoon, we're getting wings. Elmos. So we were going to go somewhere, but there's a little hiccup with what well, we're going to be able to do sound recording equipment-wise because what we were going to do, we're not. This is What we're doing right now is what we are going to have to do. Okay. And we are a little concerned, so I don't want to drop the name because it, we might change.
0: Ooh, ooh,
1: okay.
2: But we'll take recommendations off air. And is that with TG? No, that is with Rockpile Report. Okay, cool. With Tim Graham, we are going to Charlie the Butcher. Ooh. Yvonne Weck. I'm shocked that you're not going to Elmo's with Tim Graham. That's his spot. That's yeah. his. We, uh... Yeah, I asked him for some food takes, and the only thing he said really was, "I, mean, I don't understand why weck isn't everywhere." And I was like, weck is yours, sir." <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then uh, Sunday morning, we're going to Greek to me to get the imitation garbage plates. Okay. From, from Greek to me, the hangover plates with Aaron Quinn. And that's um, them, one. and that's going to put him. Uh, it's going to put a
1: pin in it. We'll Monday's okay. going to be tough, man. <laughs> Monday is going to be a struggle. When do you go back? Sunday
3: afternoon. Oh, good. do you have to work on Monday? Yeah, I do, he doesn't, I don't think. Oh, dude, take off.
1: Take off. Because you're going to want a bathroom <laughs> centrally located. Or you yeah, know, maybe a take couple. A, take a bedpan to work with. There you go. Or like a modium or something. I don't know. It's going to be rough. Or you might not have the problem, because you might be so backed up that it's going <laughs> to <laughs> be... It'll be
3: Wednesday before it really hits. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you'll have to take off Wednesday. That, there, there you, you go. go.
2: All right. All right. Matt, thank you very much. For coming out and smashing some pizza with us. We got one slice left. I think it's Bruce's as an honor. It is I, Bruce's. I, I, I can't. And you, <laughs> yeah, I dude. Can't. You got a long weekend
1: still ahead. <laughs> I
3: gotta pace
2: myself. Pace yourself. Cause this this is the stuff that could really clog things up.
1: So you wanna what's tomorrow? Uh, you can do the tomorrow's tags.
3: hot dogs. Okay.
1: Wings and beef on Weck. All right. That's good. Make sure um you, oh you don't know about the wings place, but when you do, let me know because I wanna Gotta go hot on the wings, like hotter than you might even be comfortable with. Because that'll help the metabolism and like okay. everything like that. Like just don't okay. be a baby. Take the hot sauce, unless okay. you're going to duff. If you go to duffs, don't go too hot. Because the, the hot there is hot. Like it's a different kind of hot. But if you're going to like a regular wing place, go hot. And just it'll help you. It's a little take. Okay. Alright. Alright. So where can people find you online, Matt? Alright, so I'm at Matt Perino on Twitter, and that's my main location. Follow us on at Buffalo Bills NYUP, or it might be Buffalo Bills on NYUP, whatever it is, search Buffalo Bills NY Up on Instagram. That is where we're gonna be doing a lot of on the spot video. So, like, practice just ended, what are my takeaways? I'm gonna Bam, go right, right on Instagram and I'm gonna give it to you. Because it's just the best platform for that. A lot of times I can get, if I'm away from Buffalo and I wanna go live with Bruce Almighty, I can just say, hey, jump on Instagram right now. We're going to go live together. Let's I'm going to tell you what I, what I saw, and we're going to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to do a lot of that, a lot more fan engagement on the Instagram platform, and it's going to be fun. Uh, but, yeah, Twitter's the main spot.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, dude. And uh, we'll see all you listeners at our next stop, Ted's Hot Dogs. Well, that's it, everybody. We hope that you enjoyed that episode of the Nick and Nolan show on Buffalo Rumblings podcast with our guest, Matt Perino, while we smashed some Leonardi's pizza and introduced Bruce to Buffalo style pizza. Matt was an awesome guest. A lot of fun. Super, super knowledgeable. If you guys don't already follow Matt Perino on Twitter, you got to do that and on every social media platform. Whatever you use, this guy is on there. He's putting out Bill's content and he will interact with you and share his thoughts on your thoughts. And we hope that you are enjoying these special edition Nick and Nolan episodes where we are going over and doing all of these food stops with our guests. The next episode is going to be coming out probably sometime this weekend or early next week. Like I say, it's a lot of audio for us to get through and edit and clean up, so we appreciate your patience. We would absolutely love to hear what you think of these episodes, though, so please hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at NickBat, N-I-C-K-B-A-T. You can find Bruce at Bruce Exclusive. And of course, we have to ask if you enjoy what we are doing, if you like that we do the podcast the way we do it, if you like the things that we talk about, if you like our style, if you like Bruce's takes, if you like my takes, please head over to the iTunes store. We would absolutely love to see a couple sentence review from you with whatever star rating you think is appropriate based on how you enjoy the podcast. Hopefully it's four or five, but your feedback is truly meaningful to us. So please take a few minutes and do that. We would really, really, really appreciate it. And as always, until next time. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a... You the cha cha.